0: For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website.
1: And at this time of year, bodhisattvas... I have noticed many people get a little bit stressed. Surprising, you know, should all be on break. But actually, our routines are uprooted, you know, by travels. Just this long intro to the schedule, which you're probably all going, okay, I can look at the website for all the information. But, you know, any interruption in routine kind of stresses us out. Not to mention holiday parties staying up too late, uh, or family dynamics that occur around the holidays. So uh, this interruption in our regular temple schedule can be a little disorienting as well. Now what are we doing? What? What's the plan? So uh, we're also further stressed. I would say, by our broken bodhisattva hearts, you know, broken by ripples of political and social problems and catastrophes. You know, so if the holidays aren't enough to upset us, there's a lot going on that uh, are the cries of the world that we are perceiving, uh, And if anything, the dharma is radiance and medicine, healing and a refuge. So I think it's a deep bodhisattva practice to also take care of our own hearts and minds. We take care of each other, but also each of us has to find a way to build a kind of caring and healing for ourselves. And I think this is a great practice. And I was inspired by reading uh, a book about this, actually, uh, called The Little Book of Zen Healing. Now, The Little Book of Zen Healing. It's this little book with this kind of pinkish uh, watercolor. <coughs> and it looks like, what? Is Fukatsu doing talking about this book? You know, doesn't it look like, kind of like, doesn't look like some strong Dogen or some big sutra, but I think it is. And I'll say a little more about that in a minute. But I really just want us to, uh, encourage, I guess I really just want to encourage you to simply explore how Zen practice, uh, is just a life of ritual, of healing and appreciation, and that we really need this dharma nourishment, especially now, but always. And so this book is written by a woman who is a professor of uh, Buddhism and women in Berkeley, California, at the Institute of Buddhist Studies, which is sort of, affiliated with UC Berkeley somehow. Uh, She actually has an endowed chair. Recently took on this endowed chair in Women and Buddhist Studies. Taigen also teaches at this institution. Uh, And he was able to invite Dr. Paula Arai to offer an online Dharma talk to us in March, March 17th. So this is exciting. So this is kind of a warm-up for Dr. Arai. And this little book of Zen healing, Japanese rituals for beauty, harmony, and love. So rituals uh, are powerful. And we... Our whole zazen practice, what we're doing here, we're creating this ritual space for each other. So we kind of know what to do. You know, in the introduction to this book, the writer Pico Iyer, if anybody knows who he is, but he's a writer who is sort of huh, some of this stuff is like I think he wrote something at Green Gulch Farm. I would think he might have wrote this introduction there. So he kind of gets around. But he was speaking about. Uh, He starts off, by saying, when my father-in-law passed away in Kyoto and then my mother-in-law and then my wife's uncle, I marveled at the clarity of everything that followed. At precisely the moment when most of us are at a loss, grieving, angry, confused, the Japanese have a refined set of rights where everybody knows where they must go what they must do, what prayers they must recite. Ah. So I think there's something soothing about having a ritual space and a sense of, like, in the zendo, you know, we know where we belong, kind of, in our way. And in this wild world, I think that's comforting. So Paula Rai's written several books and has spent a lot of time in Japan with female Buddhist practitioners, mostly uh, nuns, but other lay female practitioners. And she writes a lot about rituals. And in one of her other books, she writes this nice uh, introduction to rituals. She says, ritual can promote harmony or insight conflict. By shaping, stretching, defining, and redefining the identity of their participants. Uh, engaging in ritual changes consciousness. So I don't know how it was for you to chant the Heart Sutra, the Makanya Haramita Shingyo, but there's a, a way in which you notice the quality of your mind when we're engaging in something, even though we don't even understand the words. Uh, and all creating some kind of spaciousness for each other with the heart, just giving ourselves to the moment carefully and kindly and wholly. Uh, she says other things about ritual, <laughs> like ritual acts can transform experience by dissolving obstacles of time, distance, and structural power, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, they can help us feel connected to those in the past and in places one has never been. So we sit in front of Buddha and we are ritually connecting our hearts to this awakening experience that happened thousands, of couple thousand, at least a thousand and a half years ago. Um, she goes on to describe some qualities of ritual as unimpeded by un- unenlightened activities. Rituals can affirm one's worth to oneself and to the world. It's not interesting. An affirmation of your worth You know, I spoke about radiance being dignity. Um, And this, we can remind ourselves in our activity of ritual of this dignity. And she also says rituals work through the senses to cultivate wisdom in the bones. In our marrow, I would say... This is a way we connect with wisdom and kindness in our bodies, in our bones, in our hearts. And this desire to connect to this deep experience, I think, brings us to the Zendo to sit together, to chant together, to move with care and dignity in our space. But this book is a very sensual book. It's interested in how our senses are engaged by ritual. And I think rituals engage our senses, uh, at their best with a sense of, of pleasure and connection. You know, these words pleasure and joy and, uh, Positive emotions like peace and harmony maybe are more common. But I think, you know, in our eyes, when we sit in front of Buddha, we're connecting with the sense organ of the eye. We smell our connection to the Dharma, you know, the fragrance we offer of the incense. And even the flowers are kind of fragrant today, this evening. We feel the body of Buddha in our postures and our mudras, with our ears, we receive chanting, and there's a movement that we experience breathing together. Uh, We even vow to taste the truth, the Tathagata's words. So, uh, and our mindful attention, of course, is a way of engaging that sixth sense organ of the mind. So, bodhisattvas don't be afraid of the senses (laughs) it is our way of connecting deeply to the dharma and also to caring for ourselves to allowing ourselves this kind of place to rest our senses in the beauty of the world you know this book is like zen healing japanese rituals for beauty harmony and love you know it sounds like something like are they going to give me makeup instructions you know or some you know, dating instructions. So so as simple as it could be, and in some ways rather sweet, uh, this book is a 21st century sutra by a female. And I think we all can relate to parts of it. Um I just um, I'll say a few things that she mentions because they're really great. What we perceive through our senses can inflame desire and intensify negative mental states. Anybody disagree with that? No. I don't like that incense, you know, or give me more of that good, goodness. You know, yeah, we can be like that. That's a possibility. But she continues and says, yet the senses can also serve as fields of awakening. Aesthetically refined practices excel at transforming sensory experience into an opportunity to accept the impermanent nature of reality. So really, a stick of incense also symbolizes impermanence. Instead of change being a cause of suffering, ephemerality can be a source of beauty. nice so you know we know what can go wrong but I think sometimes in Zen you know we dress in black sometimes we kind of shave our heads uh, we seem contained <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean. You're even in black. I'm always in black. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we need to also liberate ourselves from being caught in asceticism and distance and find our way to connect to the subtle beauty of impermanence. And to find our places, use our senses to find our places in this world. Uh, see what else she has to say, because it's pretty good. She says ritualized activity involves intentional sensory awareness and consciously encoding your movements, words and gestures with meaning. So this is, you know, embodying. Buddha, you might say. All of our gestures have different meanings. Uh, and she goes on and says, you decide the meaning that addresses your concern. So all of us are doing the same thing in the zendo, but we're all ascribing a little bit of different meaning according maybe to what we need in the moment. And she adds. Adding ritual activities to your life is an ever-evolving process of experimentation, creativity, and adaptation. So, you know, we're like wanting to get the form right, but we have to adapt it to our bodies, to our physical situation, yet we still manage to create something really wonderful here together. Even incorporating the online situation. Uh, that might be enough from Dr. Rai, but I, I'll, I'll say a little bit more because <laughs> these lines are really good. Since somatic experiences of compassion are perfused in cooking and eating, as Artenzo knows, Larger family holiday celebrations are rich opportunities to practice healing. Idealized as events brimming with love and happiness, it is not uncommon that such expectation generates a cognitive dissonance and intensifies any fraught emotions simmering beneath the surface. Isn't that the fact? But expanding your own perspective Can help you navigate these complex fields of differing perspectives. Experiencing your interrelatedness can lubricate, (laughs) I love that, lubricate acceptance of past and current conditions. Orchestrating ritual, orchestrating ritualized activities such as offering prayers or toasts or playing games can be opportunities to practice gratitude and enjoy your time together. So maybe maybe that's enough at this point from Dr. Arai. Um, she does say something that I think is also pretty profound, that our practice of rituals, and these can be rituals of healing and refreshment that are in our homes. You know, many of you maybe have altars in your homes. That changes the whole room, sometimes your entire home. Uh, you know, family and friends come over and they're like, what's that? And they kind of instinctively know, you know, well, I better behave around this or I better connect to the dignity that I forgot about in ourselves in these situations um you know rituals with friends that we might be like wait a minute that's not buddhist but we have these rituals that come from our hearts and when they come from our bodhisattva hearts even things that might seem a little weird risque like kissing our friend on the cheek when we see them these all can are activities that can be part of this healing, nurturing, and process of experimentation, creativity, and adaptation that Paula Rye talks about. You know we can ask ourselves things like, "How do I cook as an expression of compassion, awareness, and connection with myself, with my loved ones, with the earth, I think our tensos exploring this and refining it, and it's also with yourself. Remember, I said the is like a little cat. (laughs) Cat has to find no one to nap and have a snack and take care of itself. Like use a litter box. (laughs) This could be any place that we're at. Some of them are much more formal, like in Zen, but there's a reason that this formality also in Zen ritual, of course, connects us to the ancestors of past, present, and future, and to each other. So you think, why am I repeating this stuff that was done, like the Bodhisattva precept remembrance ceremony that was done over 2,000 years ago in India? But it connects us, and it will connect us with those going forward as we carry these rituals. I feel in some ways that you know we spoke about this Samadhi of the Treasury of Radiance I feel like this work is her commentary on that Samadhi of the Treasury of Radiance how we engage in ritual from our perspective (coughs) so um, I won't say too much more but I will say that she's got a lot of little poems, and they're all kind of practical, like, you know, suggestions almost in here, <laughs> which can seem kind of maybe hokey to us over intellectual. Like she has a little diagram of Zen healing activities, mm-hmm. like a little sun with little rays. and But the things in her are great. Experience interrelatedness. Create beauty. Accept causes and conditions, embody compassion, enjoy life. So we get to enjoy life as Zen practitioners, too. And she even has a little poem that I think, she has a lot of little poems. Maybe they're haiku, but I never remember the form of haiku. There's different forms of Asian poetry. But her little poem, which I think is a little poem of radiance, says, ancient waves move eons of light through our hearts, illuminating love. Ancient waves move eons of light through our hearts, illuminating love. So I hope all of your holiday events go really well. And um, maybe we have a little time to say something I can't. Quite see the clock, but we're getting close to the end. 8.28. Okay, we have two minutes. Okay, number three. So anyone who'd like to offer something, please uh, feel free, and we can chat for a minute. Thank you very much. Wave, Bodhisattva. What kind of rituals would you recommend when we are very stressed? Well, you have to figure that out. (laughs) But open up your senses, and you know, zazen never hurts. But sometimes it's it's sitting in front of Buddha, (coughs) reminding yourself lighting a stick of incense and remembering that whatever's bothering you also will pass <laughs> and that you're actually connected and held by the universe so maybe the ritual of remembering is a good one
0: Aishan? you're making me think of sleep hygiene which I you know <laughs> try to explain to people all the time and there there are things that mm-hmm. we are right. Really very much encouraged to do that will help us sleep, you know, like not working in your bedroom, um mm-hmm. not watching t v in bed, um you know turning off devices like an hour or at least thirty minutes before you're intending mm-hmm. to go to bed and and I think that these are maybe things that you've already practiced you know that people have already practiced in their in their lives, but it I think it speaks to the ways that um, we can lose touch with our biological underpinnings of, you know, sunrise and sunset and, you know, hunger cues Mm -hmm. and seasonal cues. And it can help to get back in touch with that Mm -hmm. when we feel out of balance. Great.
1: Yep. Like, one thing I thought of in response to weight, I was thinking, um, make a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Just make, be present with that and enjoy its taste, taste of dharma in your tea. But this is true about just taking care of ourselves. You know, I think sometimes we have this idea that as ascetics, we should all be sleep deprived and uncomfortable. But I'm, I think our work is hard enough bodhisattvas to stay present with what's going on in this world Mm -hmm. and in our internally and externally. So as much as you can nurture and nourish, I support that. Nicholas, did you have a comment bodhisattva? You appeared on screen. (laughs) Hi.
2: Hi. Um, That was a wonderful talk. I really, um, identified with everything you said really from the christmas thing to you know the unprecedented you know political turmoil that we're in um but mostly i really identified with the power of ritual um that you were talking about and you know i think for me what rituals do um it it kind of opens me up to a power greater than myself. So as I do that, follow the form, whatever it is, I can surrender, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, conflict and, you know, anger, sadness, whatever, um, worry um, because I'm just in the form, paying attention. And in you know, I did a lot of pagan rituals with um starhawks starhawk out in San Francisco, and that those were very energizing and very you know like spiral dance and yeah. it was um, uh quite um, transformational in some ways, but I think that um paying attention uh to the senses is really kind of the heart of the practice in some ways because um when we're paying attention we're here you know we're here you know now and, um i think they they can be used as a dharmagate you know like when i'm having a bad time in zazen i will just focus in on you know what i'm hearing you know or but that hearing is a good one when you're meditating as a dharma gate because you don't you know, obviously smell is another one, the incense, you know, to really take that in. And it's an experience that we're all having at one time. So it kind of connects this, it's this kind of this interconnectedness that I can tap into um, mm-hmm. whenever the incense incense kind of wafts by. So yeah, it was a great talk and I appreciate it a lot. Thank you.
1: Thank you. We appreciate you zooming in. You know, Dr. Araya said something like, he's liberate you to live and love in the face of the intolerable. And this is our bodhisattva practice. We do what is difficult. But the secret of that, I think, is residing in our senses and just Treating everything as this sacred place for awakening—that is the ritual process that we undertake in Zen. I want to also mention—I know we're going to um, end in a minute—but maybe Asian and you might have seen this from SCBA, but uh, SCBA is going. The Soto Zen Buddhist Association is sponsoring something called "Celebrating the Voices of Women in Buddhism." And Dr. Arai, January 17th, January 14th, is that January 14th? Yeah. Um, is offering a, a workshop online called Bowing to Lotuses, Blooming in the Mud and Gratitude as an Agent for Change. So this is available and I'll maybe see if I can put something on our website, but I think this is open to everyone. And the Celebrating the Voices of Women series, it's yesterday, today, and tomorrow is the rest of the title, has monthly speakers that begin on the 14th of January, and those include, uh, our very own Linda Ruth Cuts from Green Gulch Farm, but also Zenju, uh, Manuel, Manuel, I think, on um, Joan Halifax, uh Chimio Atkinson. So so this is uh women actually exist in Zen <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> as powerful voices and teachers. So we have that opportunity. So that's I like sort of uh thought I'd kick that off with this little talk, but also to wish everyone uh happiness during this time and healing rituals. Please let me know what you discover as you find your healing rituals, whether it's sleep hygiene or nourishing yourself with good food.